Well, good morning, Sun Valley Church. Welcome back to The Voice of the Valley. It's good to be back in the podcasting room with Pastor Rick and Pastor John Schubert here with me. Good to see you guys. Good to see you too. It is good to have you back. Yeah. Where were you? Where were you again? I was in California. You were too last week, but... Yeah. Different reasons. Different reasons. Both in the same crazy state. Yeah. But not doing the same things. This is true. Yeah, I went to the Shepherds Conference last week, and it was really refreshing. So, yeah, it's good to be back, though. What session did you teach down there, Jer? Yeah, they, uh, <laughs> well, James, so James Coates was supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Biden went and let him into the country. Oh, was, I thought you were going to say he was still in prison. He couldn't. <laughs> yeah, he It was is. Biden? Yeah, it was. It, it was, wasn't the Canadian side that kept him? It was him? our side. Wow. Yeah. Why? Because he... Because he was unvaccinated and oh seriously, we yeah. would not let him into the country because he was unvaccinated. Yeah, so he he uh, he was supposed to teach a session. I think it was a it was a Thursday session or something like that, and uh, he couldn't he couldn't be there because he wasn't allowed into the country. So I obviously you were in the country. I I was in the country and I filled that void <laughs> by sitting there and listening to the guy who actually taught that session. So oh. mm. yeah. was he supposed to have one of the main sessions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a main session and a uh, and a uh, breakout session that he was supposed to. Yeah, he did his. Do. Did he do his breakout session from? He did a Zoom over Zoom there. Session, okay, yeah. so man, that uh, is really. I I thought it was the Canadian people. Yeah. No, it was. But. It was our side. So, but it was really good. Really good conference. So, but it's good to be back and good to be back in the podcasting room to talk about. Deep discipleship, which you know all about I, uh, from all the sessions you went to. Yeah, I only slept through two of them. So, so, <laughs> so what's deep discipleship? What are we talking about? Well, this is this is a book by J.T. English, mm-hmm. um, and it's on our bookshelf. So, if you want to grab a copy of it, there's still I th- there's still a few out there. I think it's two. There's two copies left. It's two copies. Um, Amazon has a couple. I think Amazon has a, <laughs> Amazon has a few copies too. Uh, but this is this is a book that we're going through as uh, a pastoral staff here at Sun Valley Church, um, which has been been encouraging to to us, I believe. Um, but yeah, what what is this book? What's what's deep discipleship all about? What what? Uh... Well, the subtitle's helpful. It says how the church can make whole disciples of Jesus. So the idea, you, you know, and that's that what you know we're supposed to be doing as pastors, right? Yeah making disciples that's what every christian is supposed to be doing in fact if you read jesus's words go and make disciples and he didn't want half disciples he wanted whole disciples and i think one of the things that he does there is he actually addresses that idea of half discipleship at least in the chapters that we're going to be discussing this morning yeah you know a, a half disciple would be one who understands community but has no knowledge or has a lot of knowledge, but isn't applying his knowledge in the community sure. of the saints. Sure. So, sure. yeah, I'm anxious to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good book. And, and today um, we're going to be discussing chapters 2 and 3, if you have a copy. Again, there's two on the bookshelf, and you can order one online if you need to. But uh, chapters 2 and 3, he was he was dis- discussing um, two... two um, aspects of of where deep discipleship um happens 
And the first one, obviously, is is deep discipleship happens within in in the context of a local church. It's not it's not just confined to that, but it, the main avenue in which disciples are formed is the local church. Uh, but lately, in in uh, modern evangelicalism, we have seen this trend in discipleship, um, where where discipleship is being outsourced. Um, outside of the church it's being sent to parachurch organizations or seminaries or x y and z um what why is this important that discipleship takes place in the local church and it's not outsourced to i think i think his his personal story is a good one uh english the guy who wrote this book it's a good one he he became a christian as a later teenager and he says he went to his pastor and said, hey, I'm interested in being discipled. I really want to grow in my faith. I want to be, become a mature Christian man. Mm-hmm. And his experience was his pastor says, well, then you need to go to seminary. And so he took off from the church. He left the church that he was in and went to seminary. Turned out God used that, of course. God has a way of doing that. Uh, but the point, his point in using his own story was he thought that maybe this kind of discipleship that he was sent to seminary to learn can be and should be done in the local church. Mm-hmm. I think that's how he's, that's the point that he was making there in the early chapters of the book. So, um, so back to your question. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, is it, is it wrong to, to outsource discipleship to, to other organizations or seminaries or, X, Y, and Z. Is, I mean, is that a wrong thing? Oh, I think it would depend on what you mean by outsource. Um, is it wrong to use uh, outside resources as an aid in discipleship? No, of course not. Um, very, you know, very few local churches have everything needed to make, uh, you know, every kind of disciple that it might need. For example, uh, you know, you want if if you have a guy who's going to be a potential pastor, um, and and you'd like to keep him at your church, you probably want to. Um, I mean, you you probably are going to want to use some really good outside, um, more intensive teaching, as he's being discipled under your shepherding. Mm-hmm. And more and more seminaries are are um, doing that. Ones that recognize this issue, and they're requiring. Um, discipleship mentoring within the local church mm-hmm. as they as they recognize that they are not substitutes but um aids mm-hmm. and the the center of authority isn't the seminary the center of authority is the elders of that person's local church um and the seminary is offering a resource i mean we use with our leadership development guys right now we're we're at the tail end of a cohort that's been going on for about you know eight months and uh, and we're using some really good teaching from the Master Seminary, mm-hmm. but the Master Seminary doesn't have any authority and oversight over those men. Mm-hmm. It's the elders of Sun Valley Church who are training them up. Yeah, and I think I think that I think that the the older model of going away to seminary to learn Scripture uh, wasn't nearly as connected to the local church as they're trying to make it now. I mean. He he asked the question: If an eighteen-year-old came to your church, right, could you disciple him to to the place where he's pastor ready? And you know, in, in our set set up here at Sun Valley, that happened with Jeremy. Right. I mean, he he yeah. he grew up in this church, 
and lo and behold, he's a pastor. So either we're doing something right or Jeremy's not a pastor. Um, he were just calling him that. Which or one? You guys which one is it, dude? <laughs> so no, I, my point is, and right. I think English's point here, JT English's point is that the church ought to be able to pull this off. Whether you use resources from the Master Seminary, you know, video teaching series, which is helpful. I mean, <laughs> you, you you use resources all the time as a local church. Right. Pastors use commentaries to get to the bottom of the text and you know uh, language helps to to be able to study more deeply and all these things are resources including how you train up disciples in your local church like the thing rick just mentioned you know with our with our teaching cohort yeah our, our leadership cohort rather so do you think this this idea of um this this idea of the church really isn't a place to grow disciples stems from the the idea of we want more people in our church uh, bringing outside people in unsaved friends unsaved and just you know piling in these people into our church and then just kind of letting them loose um, does that does that make sense? Like more focused on getting people into the church instead of training up the people in the church. Does that make sense? I think your question makes sense. I think it's a wrong approach. But do you think do you think that's that's why this is happening? Where you have a pastor saying you need to go off to seminary to? Well, I, I, maybe maybe it's a philosophy of ministry of that particular church or pastor. Uh, but I think that it's. I think the the question is. Are we capable of discipling people mm-hmm. in this church? Mm-hmm. You know, are we capable of growing somebody into Christ-like maturity, yeah. like Ephesians four says? You know, when this is all said and done, are you going to have the fullness of Christ seen in that individual? Mm-hmm. That's the objective of discipleship. Mm-hmm. You know, some, frankly, sometimes churches are not capable to, of doing that. I, I think they should, but they're not capable for, for one reason or another. Yeah. Or maybe they're just lacking confidence. I don't know. Yeah. Or even a vision of what mature Christ-likeness looks like, because they aren't holding to a biblical vision of of the church or really actually looking at Christ That's intently. what I was going to say. Well, well, here's Jesus. Right. You make people look like him. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's how you do it. Yeah. Well, and, and I would argue that... Um, that an institution that's not the church doesn't have the, they're not designed to be doing that. Yeah. Uh, because the Bible, <laughs> the Bible squarely puts that in the ballpark of, of the local church. Mm-hmm. Are you saying they need us more than we need them? Uh, Is that what you mean? Hmm. No, I, I mean I wasn't thinking about it in those terms. But if you ask which one is more necessary, yeah, yeah, the local church yeah. is more necessary. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons that um, that he's focusing. Oh, this is a guy, by the way, who's got his PhD from a seminary, JT English, right? right. So he's and he's very clear in there. He's not slamming seminaries yeah, as right, as right. a resource. Right. But what he is challenging and slamming is this idea that we need something for the Christian life and for maturity that we have to find outside of the local church. Mm. Yeah, he's saying that's that shouldn't be the case. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
So, so kind of piggybacking off of what you just said, John, there's, there's another schism that has found its way into the church, and it's this idea of a, of a uh, expert and amateur divide. There's the shepherd teachers and the saints or the, um, you know, the people who are up speaking, and then there's the audience. And, and it seems like that um, one is doing all the work, I guess. One's doing all the work, and the other one's just receiving the information. But uh, is this is this something that the church is called to, or is it more than just a expert, amateur teaching, receiving? I mean, what is what is uh, you mean of professionalism, right? In yeah, the body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what 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 is what is it supposed to look like when we? Well, when we, we don't talk need to. This? We don't need to share the gospel. Our pastors do that, right? Right. right? That's that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, you know, Paul said in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, that he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. That includes us three in this room, shepherds and teachers. Um, I haven't checked out your guys' apostolic credentials yet <laughs> um, or prophetic credentials, but I'm Working pretty sure it. you're shepherds and, and teachers. Yeah. It says, what are we supposed to do? Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Our job is to equip people so that they can join us in the ministry. We are we are not the ministry. We're not professionals. We are professionals, but in a sense that we get paid for what we do, yeah. right? But I mean, Piper even he wrote a book called Brothers, we're not professionals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because the idea is is we're to equip the saints to do the work with us. We, that's our job is so that the people at Sun Valley Church can really do everything that is required of pastoral slash church ministry. Mm-hmm. Our people ought to be able to counsel one another, to encourage one another, all the one another's they ought to be capable of doing with confidence. Mm-hmm. And we're capable of equipping them to do it. Mm-hmm. Paul assumes that by saying, this is your job, pastors yeah. and teachers, equip the saints to do the ministry. Yeah. Don't 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 fall into the trap of thinking that you're getting a paycheck so that you can do everything that all the Christians in your church are supposed to be doing. No, that's not the idea. Yeah, that's 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 a wrong idea. Yeah. Yeah. You have anything? You're looking at me like. Um, <laughs> I was lost. I was lost looking for a verse that I have trouble finding, and I couldn't find it. It's in one of the Timothys. Um, Paul's Paul's whole charge to Timothy is what you've seen and, and received from me. Second Timothy two two. Is that it? Yep. Oh man, Jeez. I'm going to go there. Right there. I'm right Jeez. there. Right there. Yep. There it is. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Yeah, this. What you've heard from me. What you have heard from me, the professional on this side of the table, he knew right where it was. Uh, and what you've heard from me in the I've presence of many witnesses, <laughs> in trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Right? So there's a multi generational passing down of, you know, Paul is the apostle, Timothy is his apostolic yeah. appointee, yeah. and then Timothy is supposed to pass it on to others who are then supposed to pass it on to others. Which is why you and I. And Jeremy are sitting here. It's been passed on to us, right? Mm-hmm. And now it's our job to do the passing. Yeah, that's what we're that's what we're here for. And that's an unbroken succession of passing that goes back two thousand years. So are you t- are you saying the Catholics are right on this one? Uh, no, Peter, I didn't bring <laughs> no. 
I don't bring the Pope into this. <laughs> Potpourri? Potpourri. <laughs> Something smells. <laughs> so no. that, that is, that is a, a perfect verse for this whole yeah. conversation. Yeah. This is the point of pastoral ministry. Yeah. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, and 2 Timothy 2, 2. Yeah. This is really what this book is about. Yeah. The deep discipleship book that we're discussing. Yeah, and I think he's getting at a um, kind of a, an error in discipleship that has really been dominant in the past fifty to seventy years um, in in the American church, which is that um, you know discipleship and following Jesus is about your heart and your affections, but not your mind. Mm-hmm. Teaching and academics engages your mind, but you probably won't end up as a very faithful disciple mm-hmm. you know and so there's this boxing into different categories what jesus intends to be united yeah. you know because what paul's saying there when he says teach these things that you receive from me he is definitely talking about content biblical content because when you start to slack off there you end up with potentially heresy and then you have no disciples because mm-hmm. they're all hellbound right mm-hmm. because they don't know who god is uh, or um you know but then he also includes you know, it's not just what you learned from me in in content, but what you've seen, what you've, what I practiced before you, because all doctrine, all content is supposed to impact the whole life, mm-hmm. which is why I think the subtitle of this book is uh, making whole disciples of Jesus. I, I think I think he makes a point. I think in chapter three that it can go both ways. You can you can be uh, intellectually aware of doctrine. Yeah. And very impractical in your application of that doctrine in the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can have all sorts of head knowledge, but no application of that knowledge. Sure. So you're just as bad off as the person who has all the, the relational issues, the relational ideas of the gospel down pat, but really very limited in your intellectual understanding of the gospel mm-hmm. and doctrine. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a balance there that that I think JT English is emphasizing. Yeah, um, relationship, community, and education, Christian education, both of those things are critical. And he says the local church needs both. We can't just be practicing the application, the community of doctrine, and leave the teaching to seminaries mm-hmm. or to parachurch organizations. The church has to grab hold of their responsibility. Pastors need to grab hold of their responsibility and equip the church with both of these things. Intellectual understanding of doctrine and theology and a place to apply it, the mm-hmm. community of faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you get, and depending on who you're talking to, you get this kind of knee-jerk reaction. So there are some people who are primed that the moment you start to challenge somebody's thinking and you start to go deep to a point that makes some people feel stretched and uncomfortable, they immediately, you know, they fire back with a scowl on their face. Oh, what? But what does it matter? And you, you sit there and you go, well, a whole lot, you know, mm-hmm. because God wrote it and he wrote it for a reason. Mm-hmm. Then you get those other people who, um, you know, they, they kind of scoff at the person who vibrantly loves the Lord, but doesn't even know what the doctrines of grace are. They're mm-hmm. living a faithful life. They're witnessing. They know the gospel. And, and they can't, they can't bringing... describe the hypostatic union. Exactly. And then people, you know, the other side scoffs at them. And both of that is wrong, yeah. right? It's wrong to, to scoff at either or, because both of those elements are perfectly united in the person of Jesus Christ. So, so how do we meet in the middle then? I guess that would be the next question is if, if 
if it's the middle ground that we're trying to reach, right? Send them to seminary. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think, you know, he, he says in chapter three that very few churches are meeting in the middle. Yeah. He says very few churches still have a Sunday school program. This is he, true. I was, yeah. I, was, I was down in San Jose, spent a day with my uncle, who ended up going down to Shepherd's Conference and meeting you accidentally yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the providence of God. Yeah. And he was saying he really grieves the fact that his church doesn't have a Sunday school program, and he doesn't know many that do, and that's mm-hmm. down in San Jose. Right. Up well, here, it's here locally, it's too. We know the same is to be true it's with true. churches we're familiar with. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a trend, and I think it's an unhealthy trend. Sure. Uh, so we, the, where do we meet in the middle? We do both. Yeah. Is that a middle? Is that possible? I think it is. That's, that's our responsibility. That's how we equip people. Yeah. You equip them not just by mind training or by ministry opportunity, but by bringing those two things together. Yeah. You, you, you offer opportunity for community mm-hmm. so that they can apply the things that they're learning in our Sunday seminar programs, mm-hmm. in our uh, morning worship services. If, if all it is is feeding the brain and never getting into the context of relationships, we've failed. On the other hand, I think you've already said it, Rick, if we all we do is offer opportunity for relationships and never train the mind, we've failed also. Mm-hmm. The middle is you do both. Mm-hmm. And I think preaching, good preaching is supposed to model and shepherd what that, what that looks like mm-hmm. because good preaching is going to deal with the content of a passage in its in in its depth, right? The theological depth, but also the practical depth. Whatever the scripture writers are doing, they're always applying. Sometimes the application is that we need to, you know, in, with reverence and awe, worship God. Worship is in itself an application. Sometimes they're exploring a truth, and the application is you need to repent from this and start doing this. And that's and that's oftentimes the only kind of application that people think of when they think of application. What, what do I do because of this? Mm-hmm. But then sometimes the application is, here's something you need to actually believe. Mm-hmm. And that's, well, Paul says, think on these things. There it is, <laughs> right? And I would say that's maybe the, the part of the application that the church in America is weakest on because it's the least natural sense that we would think of when we think of application. Sometimes the intent of the apostle in writing something is that we would actually start to do yeah. what John just said, think on these things, because that meditation will change us. I think, Jeremy, also to add to Rick, what Rick just said, I think our uh, neck of the woods theologically, you know, us Reformed guys, uh, partially Reformed, I should say, uh, <laughs> Please see the podcast from yeah. when we dealt with that. Yeah. yeah, I think we're accused of just being head knowledge kind of Christians. Yeah, we're so intent on the academics of Scripture, the the details of doctrine, that we lose sight of the application of of those truths in our daily lives. And um, I think we're accused of that more mm-hmm. than you know other churches that we might be familiar with. And so we need to guard against that. I think we need to guard against being overly academic. At the same time, we can't undervalue understanding, intellectually understanding doctrine and theology. Mm. I think it's really important we strive hard for both. Yeah. yeah. Well, because in a few verses after uh, verses 11 and 12 in Ephesians 4, Paul says, speaking the truth in love, mm-hmm. right? Like, 
I think I think that's that's often a fear of mine and a danger of mine is is it's an agape love. It's, yeah. it's not a phileo. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> actually, Paul meant this. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't actually mean love. <laughs> well, in the in the text of Susceptus, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so well, no, I'm I'm not sure how does how does Texas get into the conversation yeah. with barbecue naturally <laughs> <laughs> and that is good application you know, right there texas has some great receptus they do <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a new flavor of barbecue yeah it's right next to hickory in the store yeah, yeah that's right <laughs> you gotta look for it though you really gotta look for it <laughs> so um what do you what do you guys do uh, with those who are an either or, in the sense of like, uh, you know, I I show up to church and and then I'm part of a gospel community or small group, or I go to church and I'm in Sunday seminar, but I'm not a part of like. H- how do you guys minister to these people who are who are choosing, or worse yet, not a part of it at all? How do you how do you guys minister to these people? Well, that's the story of pastoral ministry, yeah. right? You do a lot of praying. You ask God to do a work in the lives and hearts of people and minds of people that you cannot do. Yeah. I mean, uh, we can encourage, we can pray for, we can personally challenge people, which is, I think we all do that. When, when someone isn't attending Sunday seminar, we talk to them and say, hey, have you thought about attending this Sunday seminar, you know, your kids are a mess. We're having a Sunday seminar about parenting. Why don't you go? <laughs> you know, there's an idea. Um, or, or, you know, yeah. Yeah. The, you, you have a young person in the faith, not a young person, but a, a person who's a young believer, and we have a class on discipleship or the fundamentals of the faith. I I think every class that, that we offer, I'm conversing with people who don't attend for the reason to get them to attend. Mm-hmm. I, I do that all the time. So, mm-hmm. hey, have you thought about this or that or the other thing? You know, you've, you've had questions. You've asked me personal questions about this or that in the Old Testament. Hey, we're having a class on Old Testament prophets. Why don't you show up? It's a good idea. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it's conveniently timed. You know, it's on the weekend, Sunday morning, mid-hour. Why don't you try it for the next eight weeks that's that's how i do it i pray and i personally encourage um people to do that so yeah i had i had a guy uh, a few years ago who who said something along the lines of i wish i had more material you know to to teach myself and, and my kids and uh my response if i could go back now would be to be in sunday seminar you know be be in Sunday seminar in which you you are receiving this information, so that it will hopefully, Lord willing, impact your life as you go out from here. Not only in the church, but in in your work, in your home, in your right. all of life. Instead of bewailing your lack of evangelism, attend the evangelism class yeah. that we teach. You know, and instead of you know fumbling around with your understanding of the doctrine of the Trinity show up yeah. for the Sunday seminar class that we teach on that very subject. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, I think 
I think we're fairly comprehensive in our Sunday school Sunday seminar program. We've got a listing of what we teach and the rotations that we have, and we try to cover the 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 broader sections of doctrine and theology. You know, it's hard to teach uh, a course on Trinitarianism from the pulpit because we're we're committed to exposition. Right. And exposition requires you to exposit a text. And our Sunday school classes or Sunday seminar classes can be more of a systematic approach to these doctrines like Trinitarianism, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, parenting, biblical parenting. Mm-hmm. These are all things that we can focus on and not not necessarily be unnecessarily concerned about exposition of one particular text, like the Gospel of Mark. Mm-hmm. The Gospel of Mark doesn't say a lot about marriage principles. There are marriage principles there, obviously, but we're able to focus intently for eight weeks on marriage, parenting, trinity, uh, you know, all these practical things in the Christian life in the Sunday seminar context, which is why we emphasize this with our people. This is why we make posters and put them in our lobby. It's why we put it on the, the website. It's why we, you know, encourage in one-on-one conversations for our people to attend because this is what it means to equip the saints. Yeah. I think that's a great point. It's because of the, the nature of the pulpit. Um, faithfulness in the pulpit prohibits some forms of teaching. It prohibits systematic theology. <laughs> right. It does. It yeah. does. And so <laughs> what, what we look at is, okay, well, when Paul's with the Ephesian elders on the beach in Acts 20, and he says, uh, you know, I did not shrink from yeah. you know, declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Well, what was Paul doing? He rented a hall daily Tyrannus. in Ephesus, Ephesus, and he taught. He was doing seminars, yeah. and then they had their corporate worship. And, and Paul just availed himself of every opportunity to teach the scriptures. Yeah. Right now, okay, so we live in this evolutionized culture, right? Like, to, to question evolutionary dogma is to be outed as a crazy person, right, by by and you know the secular community uh, and many christians are are you know have gone there but right now we're looking at uh creation and next week you know someone in class this week was was saying well how does carbon 14 dating or radiometric dating you know deal with what you're saying because they were taught outside the walls of the church that these dating methods you know will lead to a certain you know, conclusion, and you're teaching me something different. Well, how does Scripture address what we're hearing out there? Well, right. guess what? Each of us walk outside the walls of the church into the world out there, right. and we have to be equipped to engage it with the truth of God, not ashamed of any part of it, right. and knowing how to give an answer. Peter tells us, be ready. And that's really the function of, of seminars. But what we what we want to do, and in, in this gets at how do you balance this, right, that you were asking earlier, um, like this, this last week we were looking at, uh, you know, is we were looking at biblical genealogies and the age, the age of creation, um, and which, from one sense, someone might rightly ask, well, why in the world are we even? What, who cares, right? Well, we care because Scripture gives us specific details by God's design. Mm-hmm. But let's start here by realizing what, and this, this is what you want to do with all so-called academic knowledge in scripture is, well, how do the biblical writers follow that through to its conclusion? Mm -hmm. Well, the Psalms are filled with worship, wonder, and the fear of the Lord. Why? 
because of creation. And here's a question that we should not be afraid to ask or hear asked. So what? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a good question. Yeah. I, I try to ask that question of myself when I'm done studying my, my text to preach. So what? Which is why I like to include in my introduction to every sermon, here's what I want you to learn today. Here's what I want you to go away with today. And then give a short summary of my desire for their understanding. Mm -hmm. And it may or may not happen, but that's my desire. And the so what is, okay, how do we, what do we do with this information? Mm -hmm. What do you do with the genealogies? Yeah, and, and one of the ways that you're going to tease that out is by looking at where the scripture writers go with it. Right. So yeah. we, we, our application is built in with the teaching itself, because that's the way that God gave us the Bible. Yeah. And I think when it comes down to making whole disciples, it, it would be wonderful, like just to conclude the Sunday seminar bit, because <clears throat> that's not the only thing we do right, to make disciples, is just to, 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 to say we've got a church of 200 people and 200 of them want to know God's word so much that we have to do a seminar in the sanctuary and a, san and a seminar in the commons. Our classrooms just won't work anymore because mm -hmm. they're too small. Um, and for for us as believers, what a great opportunity to um, you know to listen to somebody who has spent hours studying, so that you don't have to, who's going to distill a bunch of material down, so that in forty five minutes you've got something really solid to take away. Yeah. That's good stewardship of time for me as a participant to go to that. Yeah. Because I don't, I just don't want to have to do the legwork. And here's one of the challenges, and this is, I don't think, part of the intent of this discussion, but I'll just say it. I think one of the reasons people don't attend seminars as we would like, as much as we would like, I think we have actually pretty good participation yeah. percentage-wise. Mm -hmm. But the reason some don't is because um, information, even biblical information, is available at the drop of a hat. I can go anywhere on the Internet and, and hear someone preach or teach or read a blog or an article about anything we teach in any of our seminars. Sure. The issue, uh, the difference is you're getting it from us, your pastors, yeah, yeah. which is a massive difference. Yeah. And I, not, not because we are smarter than, the, than all these guys on the Internet. It's because we've vetted the whole thing. We've studied the whole thing. And God, in his providence, has placed us over this church to make sure that they're equipped. And so it's our job, yeah. not this blogger's job, yeah. to disciple our people. I'm not saying he's wrong or she's wrong. I'm saying this is not their job. They don't care for you. They don't they even know who you are. We do. Yeah. We know what you need. We know what the Bible says. And... Let us help you. Let us equip you for the work of the ministry. Yeah. And so there's that. And unfortunately, the Internet is the end of the discussion, it seems like, in our culture. Well, I read a blog that said, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I read the title to the blog, and obviously you're wrong. <laughs> so, yeah. No, yeah, I think about... <laughs> I, just coming back from the Shepherds Conference, you know, the, these guys, these men are, are, you know, these theological giants, right? And, and we look up to them and we respect them, and, and I've, I gleaned uh, a lot from them over this last week, but they're not you guys, you know? So I, as much as I appreciate them, I, I look forward to coming home and being ministered to, to by my pastors, 
Jeremy, is Jeremy pushing for a raise again? I'm is, looking for what, it. Is, I'm is, looking what's going here on here? I, I want to know what they put in the in and out burger. I'm hoping <laughs> I'm, <laughs> when you're down there. <laughs> I really like my pastor. <laughs> no, but seriously, like yeah, I, I'm, I'm that's 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 um, unfortunately, I, I, I people aren't thinking that way of, no. of these guys. These guys are here to minister to me by God's providence. By God's providence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you may not be John MacArthur, and you may not be. Um, anybody at anybody, all? Rick Vody, Warren, Vody Bauckham. Uh, why did you say? Why did you say that? What? Oh, oh it's a Rick. Got it. Yeah, it's a Rick. You could have said it's Rick Holland. You could. There were so yeah. many. There's Ricks. You could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you guys, Rick Baxter. Richard Baxter. Rick, Rick Baxter. <laughs> yeah, this I could do that. How fast? You're not Rick Baxter. I'm not. <laughs> I am John alive. Owen. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate what you're saying, though. And I that's, sure wish I had John that's something Owen as that a pastor. When uh, the, stu- the last year they had the Resolve Conference, um, why do you like run-on sentences? <laughs> I like year, hearing Yoda talk. <laughs> last year they had the Resolve Conference. Um, it was 2012. And uh, so that was the only year I'd gone down, went down with some of the students. And I remember C.J. Mahaney, um, one of the last messages, uh, he said, you know, he basically said, well, this is an experience, right? You get to you hear Al Mohler preach, John MacArthur, Steve Lawson, Rick Hall, like all these guys preaching. And they're, they're you know, top-line guys for a reason. Mm-hmm. That's just the, the stewardship God's given them. Mm-hmm. But what you will do and fail with is if you take this and then go home and sit in criticism upon your pastor mm-hmm. because he's not, you know, John MacArthur. And he said God didn't design Rick him to Warren. be. God didn't design him to be, but he did decide. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Drop, he started it. Seriously, drop He's... that mic right now. Pick up the whole apparatus and drop it. No. <laughs> but that's yeah. the point, right? Yeah. Is don't don't go and work counter to God's purposes for the local church, because we live in an, an era of bounty where we have access to things that people didn't a hundred years ago. Right. Right. You know, I, I actually struggled with this side concept we're talking about right now, like wishing uh, that I grew up under a different ministry or in a different ministry, you know, under the preaching of John MacArthur or John Owen or Piper or who, you know, going through that phase in my Christian life. And then when I had entered ministry thinking, you know what, people are thinking the same now about me. I, I wish that my pastor were, you know, yeah. these famous guys that obviously moved mountains with their ministry. Uh, and I brought this up once with MacArthur, and he said, he said, you know what, if God wanted your people to be in my church, they would live in Los Angeles mm-hmm. by God's design, or in England to be in Spurgeon's ministry 200 years ago. They don't. They live in Yakima. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is why we have to be so faithful. We have to, as pastors, be consumed with the word, drenched with the word, and trusting God for all these things in the lives of our people and just pour the word over them mm-hmm. as best we can, acknowledging our weakness and you know, pleading with the Lord and his spirit to, to do his work in our people as if their pastors were these you know, giants that you spoke of. Yeah. 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 I appreciated how he ended in, in the chapter three and this idea that that you know we're we're still learners too. Oh, amen. You, you, you guys haven't arrived. I haven't arrived. Like we we'll never arrive 
<laughs> here on this earth, right? Or even in eternity, we're going to continue to learn more about Jesus throughout eternity. Like, I just, I think that's the the professionalism side of of this this discipleship thing is is. I think people can look at their pastors and go, "Oh, they've arrived. They have they have this knowledge," but we haven't. <laughs> it's a continual learning. We're still learning. And the thing is, there's nothing about whatever we're teaching that isn't. Uh, it, what do they call it? Like it's the commons. It's this is this is this belongs to everybody who is a believer in Christ. This isn't some secret knowledge. It's been imparted to pastors to to deal with, right? If I if I call an electrician to 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 do a wiring job on my house, there's I'm, there's no deficit. I mean, I might be interested and want to learn some things, right? But there's not a deficit if right. I don't know how to wire a house by the time he's done. Right. But if I'm in church year after year and I don't know more about the theological truths that my pastor is teaching and preaching, there's a deficit because I'm called to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Yeah. And that and that means that there's nothing that this guy's got that is not I shouldn't that's not doesn't belong to me right. as much as to him. Right. In fact, the church is called the pillar and buttress of the truth for a reason, mm-hmm. and it's the, to the degree that all of the people of the church who are children of God aren't concerned with being about the truth and knowing it that that the church has outsourced its guardianship to the publishing houses, which is to say the big businesses with CEOs who may or may not know Christ get to make decisions about what happens with the Bible yeah. or with biblical truth. It's their editors who determines, uh, you know, what gets published. Yeah. That is not, that's not the best place to be. Yeah. I got, I got two things I want to say about the idea of professionalism. Um, and, and one is, uh, I'm not a big John Maxwell fan, but he, he's written a couple of books on leadership and he said, Leaders are learners. The minute you stop leading, you stop. I mean, the minute you stop learning, you stop leading. That that is true. And so, to affirm what you're saying, Jeremy, yes, we are learners. We have not arrived, and we we shouldn't perceive ourselves that way, and and our people shouldn't perceive us mm-hmm. that way. Secondly, this this idea of learning and and having this understanding of doctrine and theology, if you're sat in church long enough, is also true, yeah. and. And the way it, I, I was helped to understand this was um, a pastor I worked under at Westside when I back in the early '90s was Wayne Pickens, and he he talked to me about the the Christian life being a reservoir, and the the reservoir in the Christian life is filled up drop by drop, Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, drop by drop, yeah. and you cannot perceive its filling, but one day you turn around. And it's full, yeah. and it comes from just showing up, and and listening, and asking God to to teach you and help you understand, mm-hmm. and He does. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to grow in doctrine and theology or practice if you're not here. Yeah. English says fifty percent of Christians show up fifty percent of the time. Mm-hmm. I think He said that in just this last chapter. Think of that. 50% of the people miss church 26 weeks out of the year. 50%. And I don't think that's the case in our church. No. But generally speaking, church-wide, yeah. I think he's probably right. Yeah. And, and, and the question's got to be, if that stat's right, 
how much influence does the church have over people? You know, it's hard enough only having, you know, one to two hours a week of influence over people who spend that much time daily on Netflix. Right. Yeah. But when you're talking mm -hmm. 26 weeks, you've missed that part? Six months. And what are the what are the odds based on those numbers that the that that fifty percent is then in meaningful Great Commission relationships, mm-hmm. which is the baseline normal Christian life, mm-hmm. right? That's the baseline normal Christian life that Jesus gave to us and was to be discipling others with what we ourselves have been discipled in. Yeah, leave that out of it. How many are are simply receiving the doctrine they're being taught if they're only here that much, right? I mean, if they're only here 26 weeks out of the year, you know they're not coming to Sunday seminar. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And there, and there are some who are there who have been here for a decade every week and don't come simply because they just don't want to. Right. And it's like, is that where we're determining what the Christian life looks like on what we want to? I mean, I'm having that discussion with my kids like every other day. Yeah. You know, it, Sure, it would be nice if you wanted to do certain things. Why don't you pray about that and then be faithful anyway? Because what's the option? Right. Um, uh, hey, I eat 50% of the time. <laughs> and yeah, and you're anemic and you're about to die. 12 hours a day, man. That's good. <laughs> I'm, I'm so working is that toward how 15. The thing works. I mean, if you eat less, you weigh less. Eat. Yeah. Wow. Well, so I was, I, in, think about that? I was in the car a few weeks ago with my children, and Charlie you know, pipes up and asks me a question. He says, Dad, why, why does Pastor John take so long when he's teaching or when he's, <laughs> yeah. when he's speaking? I said, well, but he's... He's, he's slow. He's, he's, he's got an issue. <laughs> I, have, I have some stories to tell you, bud. Um, but, you know, I'm, you know he's, he's preaching, so he's, he's going to take a little bit longer. And he says, well, he speaks so much longer than, than everybody else. There's, you know, the guys gets up and they speak, and then they go sit down. And I was like, yeah, well, they're leading through the liturgy, and John's preaching. He just, he takes longer. And then Sawyer pipes up in the back and goes, yeah, it's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, man. you know what I say about that. I I would say something about parental discipleship. Yeah. In that, <laughs> I was thinking that in that moment, but I'll let you finish the story. Yeah, and I said, I said, you said you're saying yeah, you're I right, said, honey. You were so right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah. like in Pirates of the Caribbean, you get credit for trying. Well, let me so, tell you a story about tight. the word boring. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the word boring. I had a nephew once. He was probably like five or six, maybe four. We were walking through, um, uh, what's that big castle in in, in uh, Colorado Springs? It's the, the, the oh, Navigators. Navigators, but it, what's the name of it? It's Glen Erie. Oh. Glen Erie, and it's just absolutely beautiful. And there's one particular room that's stunning, and it's the study. The, it's the old captain's study who created this place to kind of just unwind. Yeah. And it's, it's wall-to-wall, floor-to-ceiling paneling of real oak and there's a massive fireplace and just absolutely stunning we're walking through this we're taking a tour and my my five-year-old nephew who had a hard time saying his r's uh looked up at me and goes this room's boeing <laughs> <laughs> so a five-year-old thinks certain things are boring yeah. I'm not sure how old sawyer is but she's she's almost five yeah yeah this room's boeing yeah 
Well, and, and, and this pastor's bowling. J- joking, joking aside, I, that if if we're constantly being fed by the world and we're not participating in the church, I think showing up to church when we do, I think obviously we're going to find it boring. <laughs> you know, like it's 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 not going to have an impact on me if I'm if I'm being discipled by the world and not being discipled in the church. I'm I'm going to find the church boring. Sure, that is a profound point. And um, I just happened to be open to Luke 6 because that's what I was reading this morning uh, in my devotions. And Jesus says in verse 40, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Mm -hmm. So, and he doesn't sit here and say that, you know, depending on if you have a teacher, right? Everybody is being discipled, Mm -hmm. right? And the world's doing it intentionally. Not all Christians are doing it intentionally. Mm -hmm. Um, and the world, you know, has a liturgy, you know, the world has a liturgy, and that liturgy is everywhere. It's on our iPhones. It's in the way that we market and advertise. Yeah. We are, tra- we are, the world is expert at training affections, right? And if, if somebody is not intentional to submit themselves under the discipleship of Christ and the ways that he's commanded that to be done yeah. in how parents are teaching their children, in how the church is discipling its people— then the world will take that unintentionality and fill the void a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Faithfulness will not happen accidentally yeah. and it will, it will cripple the church. Yeah. It won't kill it. Jesus made sure of that. Right. right. But we will not be doing the kingdom any favors right. in the way that we, it has to be intentional. Right. And so for somebody, if someone's listening or someone, you know, who's, you know, in, you're close to is listening, who, who just, is a ta- is a is just a, a a bleacher Christian who comes you know and doesn't really invest. Uh, please s- submit yourself to the discipleship of Christ mm-hmm. because it, your your life's depending on it. And how many people could you be influencing that you won't? Right, right. Yeah, that's good. That's good. John, any final thoughts? Uh. Not that relate to this, no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going to start our second podcast here. (laughs) Church, we love you. Uh, We hope you you find this podcast uh, encouraging, um, that you grow in a deeper love for Christ. Uh, And you can pick up that copy of Deep Discipleship on our bookshelf or on Amazon or any other book distributor online. Uh, We look forward to being with you this Sunday and in our Sunday seminars and small groups. And uh, we'll see you next week on The Voice of the Valley. Have a great day.